I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Creative Guts. Today on the show, we have American Barron, a writer and filmmaker, and Trina Talks, a management consultant and public speaker. This amazing couple has captured our hearts, and we know yours will be swept away too. We are so excited for this episode, so let's jump right in to this episode of Creative Guts with American Barron and Trina Talks. Thank you both for being on the Creative Guts podcast. Yeah, thanks. So thanks so much for in, in, inviting us. I mean, this is a uh, this is really fun when Katrina called and said, "Hey, we're we're going to be on a podcast together." I, I was waiting for this. I really wanted Katrina and I to both be on one because I always wanted to start a podcast with her. Yeah, you should. It'd be so cute. <laughs> what do you reckon, Ben? I I just want to I want to record our uh, commutes. Like that's the most fascinating stuff when she's commuting and Sydney from her house to her office. We have just the most random conversations that'll go from like socialized medicine to aliens. And it's it's just fascinating. And I I thought you And may try and avoid being hit by cars on the way to work. Oh, and spiders. <laughs> like she you have spiders in Australia that are just that'll you walk into spider webs and you have these these birds that swoop down and so it's always an adventure for me. It's always like a radio drama when I call my <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> What's the time difference between you two? Um, what is the exact time difference? I, I actually don't know. I, I, <laughs> we, we never calculate the time difference. The way we do it or the way I do it is I go three hours back and then I switch the day to night. Mm. So right now I know for Baron it's 9, 8, 7, 6, 30 p.m. yesterday. So I'm always calling the past, which is very cool. You guys are time traveling in your relationship <laughs> all the time. Amazing. We are. All the time. And it's... Uh, it's it's a lot of fun because she wakes up. No, I wake up right when she's going to sleep, and so it's really we, we're, it's a good wake up call. <laughs> it's a good wake up call. Me going, Perrin, it's six thirty in the morning, but hey, let's have a great conversation about my day. <laughs> but yeah, it actually works way more than people think. When I wake up, Baron's good to go to chat for pretty much my whole morning and then just as I go to sleep then he wakes up so I find a lot of people think that we're really misaligned when it comes to the time difference but it actually works really well the only times he sleeps is my afternoon so there you go and I was I was gonna say like I I think we heard of a couple in Australia and New Zealand and they had a really weird time difference where it was they were just a few hours apart but it was really out of sync just missing each other all the time it's like let's have dinner oh I'm in bed Oh, I just wake up. Oh, I'm already on my way to work. So this actually works surprisingly well. It's so cute. So let's start with talking about each of you as creatives. Maybe share what you do. Yeah, cool. I, I, I actually started on TikTok because of Katrina. When I first met Katrina, she, I was trying to woo her as a writer. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was oh I was trying to, you know, be the whole Bob Dylan. I was trying to be deep and she did as an Australian, it's part of the their national identity to be skeptical and she of course didn't believe me, so I had to prove it. 
And so I, I had to write her, you know, short stories, and then I, she, then she was convinced. And wow, she... wow, wow! Let's not say I didn't believe you. That's definitely not staying <laughs> on the record. I remember very enthusiastically saying, "Let's see your writing right here, right now." <laughs> yeah, that was a first. People usually just take my word for it. <laughs> That's very true. We needed documentary evidence. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm so glad you did because she Katrina has always pushed me with my writing and. Um, she actually, she's the one who told me to download TikTok and start testing out my writing on TikTok. And um, it was a really left field thing to do at the time because mm. that's when dancing was at its full craze. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I was, I, you wanted me to write on a dancing app and I, I, I said, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And, and yeah, and it, that's where it started. And essentially, you talked about it being, you know, an investment saying, you know, the app's going to change. Yeah, absolutely. So perhaps she really is a time traveler. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> she really, Karen, yeah. I've been to the future by 24 hours. I know where this is headed. Trust me. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. The app was this. I mean, I could I felt like I could see where it was going. Yes, it started with all these really contagious dance routines. But I just thought, you know what? It, it's just a matter of time before far more significant influencers and brands jump on this train and the TikTok train. And uh, I said to him, look, if worse comes to worse, this is just going to be a phenomenal portfolio piece for you. Even if you just send this link with all of this, all of these cute little skits that you've put together, that's, that's a great way to just really quickly give a snippet into all your different bits and bobs that you can put together and act and write and script and direct and everything. And, uh, and then it ended up being so much more. Trina, what about you? Tell us about you as a creative. What do you do? <laughs> so uh, my, my primary job is definitely not necessarily uh, creative as per Baron Ryan. Uh, I'm actually a management consultant by day. I work for PwC, which has been a lot of fun for the past few years. But the firm's always pushed bringing your best self to work and bringing your passions to work. And they were actually the ones who encouraged me to launch my Instagram page, Trina Talks, which... Uh, Back in the day was a bit of a motivational themed page where I actually used to go out to different primary schools and universities and give pictures on, you know, things to look out for for your future, ways to sort of channel your passion and your skills as you're navigating these very formative years of your life. And it was a lot of fun. And then naturally when COVID hit, I couldn't do these gigs anymore at different schools. So it became far more digitally oriented, which was a lot of fun as well. Uh, but then when Baron stuff came along, I just sort of thought, oh, maybe this is another opportunity to flex those creative, that creative little side hustle I've always wanted to do. And it's been really cool being able to combine that strategic, more consulting brain, but also enjoy the creative stuff on the side. And it's been this really interesting harmony that's come together. She, she, Katrina really is the brain's behind the the managing the page like just managing me um you know managing all the business and and the, and the sponsorship deals and you know i couldn't do that any of that i'm i'm an idiot savant um savant <laughs> savant with tiktok idiot with everything else and that's definitely not true well yeah you know katrina, i've always said katrina and i are, are are different in all the right ways and um i think we're blessed to just be different in that way you know we're 
we're blessed to be different in that I, I, I cannot do the business stuff and the organizational stuff. It, it, to me, it's rocket science and uh, Katrina can just seamlessly do it. I mean, it's, um, you know, she's, she's pretty competent. You complement each other. I think even just getting on this call was something along the lines of Baron. Can you see the Zoom link? It is in the third email. Click, click the third email. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, no, but also, I mean, Baron may have painted a picture there, so I'm the backbone behind all of this. But I think we all know that the backbone, the real backbone, is very much Baron's brain and the way he's gone about all of this. I mean, I'm inspired every day by his ability to wake up, script, direct, shoot, everything. So many people think he spends the weekend writing all of this stuff and then putting it all together throughout the week when actually he wakes up every single day with a completely blank canvas and puts it together every single day. I still don't know where he gets all of this creative juice <laughs> from. Like, where is, where is it coming from, Baron? I don't understand. Uh, I mean, I always but, say yeah. it's the apple cider vinegar. <laughs> um, but every time. honestly, it's, it really is... <laughs> down to the wire like I after this podcast I got to come up with something (laughs) yeah and uh I have an outline and that's just about it and so it's it it really is from a blank page to a finished product and that is always what humbles you no matter how many followers or or validation you get in the comment section it almost doesn't affect you at all because you're still you still have to wake up and stare at a blank page and come up with something from scratch and that's usually where I call Katrina for uh, a mental breakdown and inspiration. <laughs> Are any of the female characters in your oh, skits no. coming from somewhere? <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, I had this one character. She's, she's supposed, she, suppo- she kind of plays the agent character in, for the writer. Hold on. There it is. There yeah. it is. There she is. It's the one with yeah, the hair so on Katri- the side. So, with yeah, so for print. podcast listeners, she <laughs> Katrina's putting all of her hair on one side of her head. That's kind of how I, I rearranged the wig as well. I, for some reason, I felt beckoned to give this character a New Jersey accent and it's the sort of with hoop earrings and, mm-hmm. and an attitude. And she's mm-hmm. the one who, you know, uh, manages the writer character who can't who can't get out of bed properly without proper management. <laughs> And that's the one that's based off Katrina. I for some <laughs> maybe maybe it's show it's enlightened us, Baron. Maybe it's, it, maybe if it, it's indicative of how I, I see you, but I I don't know why I transformed <laughs> you into this New Jersey hard talking um, Brooklynite. I don't know that always chews gum. That always, always. chews gum. Yeah, that's always right. Always chews gum. Can I tell you really quickly? There was this one time Baron was in Sydney with me last year, and uh, actually a year before last now. And we were about to go out and I said, Baron, how do I look? We good? And he goes, no, no, just wait right there. And he pulls out a piece of extra Wrigley's gum, puts it in my mouth and he goes, now your outfit's complete. <laughs> and I thought, what? How do you view me? And I had to talk like this the whole night. I was like, with my big hoop earrings. But, it looked oh, good the, with the hoop earrings and the hoop. It, it looks good. The gum good. looked good. <laughs> It matched. Yeah, the gum matched my earrings. There you go. When did you guys first meet? How long have you been together for? Yes, Baron. What day did we first meet? Um, we. <laughs> <laughs> I I can remember. It was about a week before your birthday, so it would have been like um, you know June twenty three or somewhere in twenty seventeen. Um, we met in at, 
around, around in Boston. Katrina was doing an exchange program up there. That's where I met her. And I met her because her voice was oh, very God. loud <laughs> in this she was know, doing a New Jersey accent, right? That's, chewing my gum so loudly. Yeah. And we thought, that's it. That's the chew. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's really it. And, and the hoop earrings were clanking, and she was going, Francesca, get over here. And um, oh. no, I, I heard her. I heard her, literally. And I was just, that's kind of when I was drawn to this, to the owner of this voice. And... I had had no way of speaking with her. So what I did was I got a napkin and I twisted it into this rose, like this, this little origami rose. And I was really trying to figure out a way to give it to her. And when I got near her, the first thing she does is she picks the rose out of Whoa. my hands. And I did not pluck <laughs> the rose out of anyone's hand. <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah, you, you plucked it out of my I hand. I plucked a rose out of your hand. I looked at it from afar and then I said, <laughs> what did I say, Baron? Oh, you smelt it and said, oh, it smells like Harvard, my favorite. And that's where we were, you know, studying for summer yeah. school. And then I kept this little paper rose in my little skirt uh, on the top uh, for the rest of the evening. I mean, at this stage, I didn't know whether this guy was into me or whether this was just like a pity rose because I had looked at it and supposedly plucked it out <laughs> of his hands. Um, but, yeah, it was it was really special. I mean, we were amongst this myriad of people from all around the world. There were people from South Africa and Germany and Japan and Australia and the States, everywhere. And uh, Baron was just there making this origami rose which i had no idea it was for me by the way i thought he was just you know making paper roses as you do just following his dreams <laughs> following his yeah. dreams one rose petal at a time <laughs> and uh yeah i was just captivated by it and i think it was just this aura uh, around him that i could just tell something's different there's some greater energy going on there well hearts everywhere are melting right now as they're <laughs> listening to this so we know that's that's happening. so sweet uh and also baron mm -hmm. you being drawn to her by her voice reminds me of in Amelie when they collect the sounds, uh, when the, I can't remember the character's name, but the, the male lead collects sounds of people's laughter throughout the street. He records laughs. I don't know if you've seen the movie actually. Oh, is this, is this, isn't this, isn't he the guy who collects the, um, the, 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 the photographs in the photo booths? Yep. That guy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he collects he collects footprints in the sand. He takes pictures oh, of footprints and, the laughs and then with laughs. The and voice recorder, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that just makes me like, oh, oh so Such cute. Such a good movie. So this might be too personal of a question, but some of us might be wondering if you're ever planning on like living in the same country because it's been a few years now that you've been uh, dating. <laughs> yeah, actually, we, we're thinking of moving to Austin. We visited LA and then Austin together. And um, my dreams of L.A. were kind of <laughs> anticlimactic, I guess. And I thought I visited Austin and I thought, well, this is more L.A. than L.A. Mm. And so I really like I, I, I have a connection with Austin. I just I clicked with it. And um, I thought, Katrina, if we're going to move to a city, let, let's let's try Austin. Let's give it a shot. And now we're trying. Yeah. I mean, my only condition was a place that actually has good coffee. <laughs> so, really, really big coffee snobs here in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, and I remember going to Austin and someone saying to me, Katrina, listen, the coffee here 
is actually good. Yeah. And I thought, no, I found the city. I found it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always described Austin as this suave hippie meets cowboy. Mm. And then there's Austin. So fingers crossed. The goal is to do this next year, actually. Yeah. This is a bit of yeah. a post-COVID surprise. And it, it's, I, I, I was also looking for like a kind of a small film community. And Austin seems to be mm. one of those burgeoning uh, communities right mm, now. Absolutely. I guess that kind of started with Richard Linklater. But yeah, it was either Albuquerque or Austin. <laughs> Austin's actually the first uh, place my, my now husband, but when we were dating, the first trip we took as a couple together was Austin. Oh, yeah? And I love that city. It's so beautiful. So much great street art, mm. really good food. So good choice. Yeah, a lot, so of, nice. a lot of music, too. Yes. I love, that's what yeah. I loved about it. Yeah. A lot of music. Yeah. So, Baron, you touched upon this, but so you have a lot of fans. You have 1 million followers plus on TikTok and over 100,000 on Instagram. So I'm assuming this sort of just blew up sort of since you joined a year ago. Uh, was it sort of just one or two videos kind of blew up, so to speak? Or was there just a steady growth over time? Steady growth. Um, mm -hmm. I think the illusion that there's one video that just makes you um it happens you know there there are videos that'll go 50 70 million and it'll actually you know make someone's career but it's very very rare and usually the more controllable route is kind of the route i took which was slow and steady consistent work versus uh the target sniper shot you know just cast a big net um mm. keep mm. produce produce every day and um quality will come out of quantity. That was kind of the strategy I took. And, and that is kind of what happened. Uh, it was a very steady growth. I think the big growth happened yeah. when I was posting three times a day. Yeah. I was posting three videos a day, a lot of work. <laughs> Crazy. But that's really where, where the big growth happened, where I was gaining about 1,000, maybe 2,000 followers a day. So it is possible, but it's more of a steady growth. I was going to say, Baron, you've come so far from your first video with the joke about the hearing aid and a deaf grandpa yeah. and those little cannibal jokes. So here we are now. Yeah, I started off with dad jokes and uh, yeah. yeah, I was just kind of scared to do, do my own material. Honestly, the workload kind of intimidated me. I thought, you know, I can't come up with creative stuff every single day and then you just make yourself do it and does the snowballing attention hinder the creation mm. process at all as far as you know gets in your head about it a little bit a little bit mm. yeah i think i was a lot more free and flexible when i had maybe three hundred thousand because i i was in the right headspace of i don't care what anyone else thinks i i am the final judge and jury you know if as long as it pleases me I'm mm. that that's all what matters and when you're pleasing yourself that yeah. makes the job a lot easier because you can control what you like and you can control the material that satisfies you but uh, when you get to a point where you have all sorts of followers on you and, and you have a loyal audience may even then you start writing for them then you start, you know, then you, then you start paying attention to the views and the likes and the comments. And it does get to you. Right. I always saw it as, um, as sugar, you know, we just, you can have a little bit of candy. You can have, you can get a little happy over the likes and the comments. Don't just don't get too happy over it because then that's what, you know, messes you up. Mm. It can't sustain you. No, I think it, it, at the end of the day, it has to be about you enjoying the process. 
it cannot be about likes mm. verification even right. or comments right. right that's where everyone goes wrong they always start with how do mm. i get the most views he always actually still to this day always says this to me when i was uh hopefully eventually when trina talks comes back and i can start doing little gigs at schools again but Baron always used to say to me, you know, you can't, you can't do that. It is always this elegant dance between mm-hmm. you and this algorithm, but you always have to make sure that you are leading. The algorithm cannot lead this tango because the second it yeah. does, mm. you are now pandering to what the algorithm wants you to do. And then over time, suddenly you're Baron Ryan mm-hmm. doing these TikTok dances <laughs> where you wanted to be pumping out your own work. And so I think that's been the thing that he's done so well. It's just been being himself, which I feel like everyone says over and over again, but few people actually truly do. Yeah. It's this concept of doing what you want to do and letting the people come to you if they like you. And if they don't like you, then that's also fine. Yeah. It's kind of hard to be yourself. Well, it is incredibly refreshing looking at yeah. your stuff because after a while of hearing the same song or the same format or the same joke or whatever on TikTok, it's a little um, like there are songs that I hate, I think, because I've heard them so many times in reels <laughs> or in TikToks. I'm just a little sick <laughs> of hearing them. <laughs> so it's nice that all of your content is fresh and it's not something I've heard before. It's just, it's really great. Do you have any um, imposter syndrome having a million followers on TikTok? Um, a little bit, actually. I, uh, part of me th- is thinking, wh- how could any, how could they find this interesting? How could they find this even funny? <laughs> and I think that's the part of the ingredient with the humor I like, at least. I think the humor that I find funny is are when the writers don't actually find it funny themselves. The material they're writing is serious to them and funny to everyone else. And I think that's kind of the same philosophy I try to take, where it's serious to me, but somehow it's funny to everyone else. It somehow works, and I don't question it, but that's kind of how it goes. I I try to write drama and let it be funny. I don't try to go directly for the joke. If it's there, I'll go Mm. for the joke, but usually you write something, write a story, write a good story, write, write a good character, and then let it be funny. Let it be lighthearted. A lot of them are so funny because mm. they're painful. You know, it's that <laughs> painful truth. They're very just poignant, yeah. hard-hitting. The existential crisis and the, you know, why do humans mm. do what they do? Uh, some of my favorite are where you're on a podcast with an alien discussing, he's asking why humans do what they do. And it feels like you're working through stuff or getting through yeah. things with that. Yeah. I really love that character, actually. Um, yeah. the, the documentary filmmaker, Alien, I was trying to... I wanted to create this alien that came to Earth to make a documentary about humans and and just dissect Mm. why we do what we do. Mm. And then I guess the whole point of it, of course, is that we don't even know why we do what we do. (laughs) Yeah. We talk a lot about creativity on here, but it's creative guts. So we talk about guts a lot. So I'm actually going to go to Katrina now because I did some internet stalking because that's what you need to do. So I looked through a lot of your Trina talks. Here we go. (laughs) <laughs> and I saw a uh, story where you mentioned the number one fear in the world is not death, but public speaking. And I've never felt anything so hard than that sentence. I do not like it at all. And you write and speak publicly. So, you know, way to go. That's so <laughs> damn cool. Has it always been natural? And have you always been comfortable getting in front of people? What a, wow. <laughs> uh, so I think there was a turning point actually when my dad said to me one day right before I was about to give my first big speech I was in year nine 
and I'd been selected to give like the summary of the junior school of the years ahead and the years before etc and I was so nervous going out on stage and he was looking over my shoulder and he said to me you do realize the audience actually wants you to do well right and I thought well right and he said no audience is actively wanting to see you crumble on stage it's awkward for them if you crumble on stage they want to be wowed they want you to do well the audience is always rooting for you and I think once I had that aha moment and it almost just felt like any time I went out on a stage or in front of a group it was like oh my goodness everyone here is effectively a little cheerleader for this speech or whatever it is that I'm about to do and I think there's just nothing more at least for me fulfilling than getting out and telling a story I adore telling stories. I love that moment when you can share something with a group of people and you can see in their faces and their little ahas and their body language and just you can see them catching every thought that you throw at them and that for me is incredibly fulfilling. I actually miss it a lot. I'm finding this now on this call. And to answer your first question, was was it always a thing? I think uh, yeah, I mean, growing up, I, I, I was an only child. Uh, I actually used to live in L.A. a little bit when I was three. I used to walk around with tap shoes. I think I just naturally loved attention a lot when I was little. Maybe that's why I have such a loud voice band. Maybe that's why you heard me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think just once I realised people love to hear stories, people want to be a part of this, it's okay to be vulnerable because mm. we all want to feel collectively vulnerable. And I realised giving a speech was a way to do that. I think that's the most extreme way to do that. It's so immediate. You know, Baron makes content and videos and writes, but you know, there's a process to manufacture it and make it better. You edit it, put it out there, and then you can hide under a pillow while it's going. You can, you know, and I, I paint, I write, Sarah writes, you know, we do all these different things, but they're not at the judgment of others immediately, whereas with public speaking, you are. So I just, I find that very uh, admirable. Thank you. Well, it's interesting you said about this immediacy of feedback. That is the reason I can't, for example, sing in front of a crowd because I, there isn't that immediate feedback. You have to wait three minutes till the very end of a song to even get an inkling of applause. Uh, And then on Baron's end, you know, it's, you're sort of just shooting content out to the public and it's like, oh, I hope they like it after this entire day of editing. Yeah. So, Yeah. Respect to everyone here. It's amazing. Yeah. Baron, I'm curious if you've ever, along the same vein as Laura's question, if you've ever like hated something that you put out there later and ever deleted any of your posts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's weird because uh, you, I think for all the ones that I have deleted, I know instantly it was a mistake. <laughs> but I don't see it when I'm done with it. When I'm done editing, I don't see it. When I look at it, when I look I over say, it. say, how do you know it's a mistake then? Yeah, that's, well, <laughs> see, I don't, I don't wait for comments. It just, the second I see it on TikTok, in the context of TikTok, I just, I know it's a mistake. I remember I had one where it was a stand-up comic who gives us opening jokes at the Gettysburg and no one's laughing because it's the Gettysburg address. So he, he's opening for Lincoln. And I looked at it and I thought, nah, it doesn't work. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the timing's off. The, it's, it's, it's too insensitive. It's, some, it's something's off. You always have a gut feeling. So, yeah, it happens. Either that or I'm on the phone saying, take this down. This is ridiculous. <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> well, you need a good sounding board sometimes. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> Is this your first attempt at filmmaking or have you been exploring filmmaking before 
the you know revelation of TikTok. I've dabbled. Um, mm-hmm. I I made two short films um, in college, and they were awful. <laughs> But I realized how much I loved the process. It was a lot of fun. And you learn so much just doing one. Um, if anyone wants to get into filmmaking, just do one short film and you learn just... It's, it's film school, essentially, what is what it is. And I learned right away that you can very easily get too obsessed with cinematography and the visuals. And in reality, the most important is the writing and the performance. Mm-hmm. That if, if you don't have those, the whole ship sinks. And that's really where it, it should start. It should start with the writing. Set, number two is performance. And then number three is visuals and sound and all that and all, everything else. But I think mm. film students and just people who like to get into it, they tend to focus too much on that on the Wes Anderson visuals, which, I, which of course, I'm, I'm guilty. I was guilty of it at first. But yeah. mm. that's what I learned. Speaking of the Wes Anderson visuals, where the heck do you live? Because it's <laughs> so darn cool. Where you film, where you, is, I'm assuming yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. you live. This is my, this is my parents' house. Um, so I live in Missouri um, in a place called Branson. It's sort of the family-friendly Las Vegas, mm. if you will. There's a lot of <laughs> shows here. Um, most they're mostly singing shows magic shows and it was a place where it really got it really <laughs> peaked in the 90s and it was a place where all the singers and and comedians who were very famous in like the 60s and the 70s but who are who kind of want to retire and just have an have an easy going life want to want to settle down they would go to Branson so we had Andy Williams here uh, when he kind of retired and wanted to just live out the rest of his life but still perform at the same time. Yeah, he had a theater here. Tony Orlando was here. Um, Yakov Smirnoff is still here. Uh, uh, the Lennon sisters are still here. So it was really You're a place. There. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Not for too long. Austin's calling. <laughs> yeah, Austin's calling. Austin's calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the house itself, I listen for the content and what you say, but also to see what's in the visual there. It's just beautiful. So I feel like it's I can see into the heart of collectors. You know, there's a lot of vintage oddities there. Yeah, mise-en-scene. The, my family, uh, we're, we like to collect antiques. Mm-hmm. And um, the house was actually built by Amish. So it's a, it has a really cool mm-hmm. background behind it because... A lot of the structures mm. here don't, they don't have, na- they don't use nails or screws. A lot of them ha- are pegs. There's oh, wow. wooden pegs that they, u- that they use to drive in to a lot of the, the walls and the ceilings. So it's a, re- it's a, it's a really cool house. I, I love filming in it. Um, everyone's asking for a house tour, but I, I asked my parents and they said no. <laughs> so no. <laughs> It's very conducive to a lot of different settings. You've got the restaurant and you've got the first date. You've got a lot of good ground to cover there. So it's really cool. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. are wondering in the comment why I have a booth yeah. in my house. And it's like, well, great question. I'm not going to ask because it's a blessing because <laughs> it, it, it has saved me. It has saved me um, a lot of quick secret shots at Steak and Shake that yeah. I would have had to film. Yeah. No, it's great. I've been to yeah. this house and... Uh, we could go on dates just by walking downstairs to the kitchen. And boom, I was in a cafe. So it was great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so when did you start writing, Baron? Uh, let's see. I started when I was around 15. I was writing short stories for a while. I can pinpoint kind of where it started. Um, I read Great Gatsby. That was kind of the first classic literature piece 
that really clicked with me. And that same year, I read something called The Rainmaker by John Grisham. And it was fantastic, two fantastic pieces that clicked with me because I've read classics before when I was younger, uh, at 14, 13, and it didn't really click with me. I didn't really get it. Uh, and then I finally read good, good literature that clicked. And, and then it's kind of like that moment when you realize healthy food can also be good. <laughs> uh, it was the same with books and movies. I thought, oh, you know, I don't, healthy and good books can also be fantastic. And then I watched a movie by the Coen brothers called Barton Fink. It struck a weird chord in me where I thought, whatever chord that is, I want to give that to someone else. And that's kind of what this creative business is when you think of it. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks of it as the creative industry or the creative business. And in reality, it's the feelings business. Um, entertainment is mm -hmm. you're giving people feelings. Um, you're you're whatever that is, whatever, it could be as simple as joy or sadness, or it could be as confusing as just conflicting feelings of good and evil, right? And you're packaging these feelings in a story and giving it to someone. And a lot of people will say like, what's, what is that urge? Or what is, what, what is it? Why, where do you get that motivation? And the motivation is more of an urge where you know how you're sitting in a restaurant and you try something amazing and your first instinct is to give it to your friend and say, oh my gosh, try this. That's exactly what it is when I watch something I really love. I want to write something and say, try this. It's amazing. Like I, w I want you to feel what I'm feeling now with this movie. I'm going to recreate something where it has that same feeling and I'm going to give it to you. That's the urge. Which is exactly what you did when we first met. And I remember at the time, I was so shocked. Mm, I'll mm. give some very brief context quickly. So I met Baron on a Wednesday and that following weekend was my birthday. And I remember him saying to me, I, I've written you something. And I was expecting this card. And I thought, oh, this is nice. The writer boy is finally producing content. Here we go. And then, <laughs> um, I always refer to him as the anachronistic Harvard writer boy, always. And that weekend, he actually like presented me with this really, well, quite impressive little novella. Um, it was about 50 odd pages and it was, it was this beautiful story. And I remember just thinking, how did this guy come up with this so quickly? And he'd actually managed to incorporate both of our characters into this little novella and the details he caught. Um, it was just absolutely amazing. And that was, that was when I realised this guy is a, a people observer. He's a, he's a people watcher. He's able to take in details and package mm. them as you put Baron mm. into this little gift of feelings. And in the beginning, I thought, whoa, this is so intimidating. But now I look back and it's like, you know what? This is just a prerequisite for everything that was yet to come. Wow, that was really I'm sweet. I'm just a little swept away. I need to see the movie of you guys <laughs> We now. all just at the um, moment. <laughs> so this writing's been happening for uh, a decade now or so that you've been writing quite a lot. And online, I see some upcoming short story collection that's going to be out for release, which I signed up in the Google form for. I encourage everyone else to go to that right now. So can you give any hints or tidbits or is that sort of a mystery right now? I, yeah, I can give you a, a little bit of a preview of it. It's hard to sum it up because it's essentially a short story collection, but it's based off one character. So it's a bit like a TV show in book form. So it's about a college student up at Harvard who is trying to navigate the ins and outs of life. Uh, he's trying, he falls in love too quickly. He's in a really bad jazz band. 
and he doesn't really know what, 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 what he's doing with his life, but he's trying to figure it out as he goes. And that's kind of the general gist of it. I, I know it sounds very vague and it sounds very general, like you, you could write anything about that, but that's really what it is. And I hope it's pretty character based. So I hope um, if people like the characters they see in, on TikTok, mm-hmm. like the Mike, Chuck and Charlie characters, <laughs> And especially the Charlie character, who um, he's the one who always wears glasses. That's the, that's the Charlie character. That's really the protagonist. And Mike and Chuck, his uh, two delinquent friends, are usually with him on these adventures. Any idea when that's going to be releasing? Um, hopefully, it's sometimes this year. Mm-hmm. We're still working out how to publish it. There's just been a lot of back and forth. So it'll be sometime this year. So folks can go on your website and sign up for that? Yeah, they can go. They can actually go on TikTok and there's the link in bio or on Instagram. You can click that link in bio thing and you can sign up for a pre-order. You can essentially just say, hey, I'm interested in this book. Uh, Let me know um, when it's out. And um, whoever puts their emails in there, they get like first serve. If you can, I guess you can say. Yeah, very cool. It's um, it's, you know. TikTok and Instagram, it's it's a, a kind of a wild thing. I, I would never would have imagined a year ago that I, w- I would have been into this. I thought I, I was imagining I was going to, I would be like an unknown writer writing books that no one wanted to read. And then finally you, you get to a place where, oh, you think, oh, well, some people actually might read this book that I thought no one would want to read. And you think that would help you. But in reality, you have to kind of go back to that mindset mm-hmm. of no one's, no one cares. No one's, no one's reading no one's going to read because um, that's really where the creative stuff happens. And that's really where you start doing things for you, for yourself and not for an audience. Mm. I would walk around the lounge room in Baron's house and honestly just find a manuscript or a script, just a bunch of paper just stapled together. And it would just say, bye, Baron Ryan on the front. And I said, Baron, what is this? And he goes, oh, It's just this book I wrote years ago. It's not going to go anywhere. And I thought, you know, consulting brain here, I'm like, what are you talking about? This is brilliant. We've got to do something with this. And I wonder so many times if as all the artists out there and also Baron, how many artists are sitting there with this amazing work and they just need that tiny little nudge to actually just give it a crack and, and just go. It's the guts to put it out there. Yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. It's the guts to put it out there. That's really there. what matters. It's, it's the guts of the guts to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point of this podcast, which has been almost two years now. You know, we have all different kinds of creatives on of all different disciplines because it's really just find what you love and then go do it and don't worry about what people think and just put it out there and see what happens. So, so here's your nudge mm. <laughs> to anyone listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like in Rushmore, find what you love and do it forever, and. That that's really the big mistake most people, most creatives make is mm. where they're trying to get it right the first time. They're trying to get it perfect. And in reality, it, it's, it's a volume game. You have to put as much as you can out there and let the quality arise out of the quantity. Um, everyone wants to make the sniper shot, but in reality, mm-hmm. you have to machine gun it. Sorry for the, the, the violent metaphor. <laughs> but that's really it. You, you, you have to pump it out and um, you're not going to get it in one try and one go. And you want to make mm. sure that you're enjoying what you're doing and being happy with yeah. the process. I have a, a professor who always said it's the process, not the product. Yeah say that all the time and it's really just is it making you smile are you feeling fulfilled Mm. because that's kind of at the end of the day you know 
whether fans are there or not. Absolutely. That's that's it. Yeah. I was going to say, Brian, that's the other thing I think you do that's a little different. So many people are putting out polished pieces of work. They're almost putting out the product all the time, whereas you will mm. actually invite people you know, to even watch you brushing your teeth, you know? It's like, this is my, I'm having a bad hair day today. Here I am. Here's what I look like when I watch a film. It's inviting people into the process. And I think so many people are just hungry for that B, C, D, E, F, G part of the plan when all they ever get is A and then to Z and they miss out on the middle. You see, that that kind of goes back to mm. what you were saying about vulnerability yeah. in public speaking. Vulnerability is very powerful, especially in mm. creative work. It's powerful. The next step I guess with influencers especially who are growing a following is to let audiences into their private vulnerabilities like brushing your teeth or what does your face look like when you're watching a movie or scrolling through Instagram. Mm -hmm. I was, I remember, I think it was one of the Seinfeld writers was talking about how weird it is that people are fascinated by nothing. Yeah. A show about nothing, you know, and People, they were saying you could literally just have a TV show like The Truman Show where you're brushing your teeth or you're watching a movie or doing your laundry and it's somehow interesting. Mm-hmm. No one knows it's somehow interesting and that's the vulnerability mm-hmm. aspect of it. You know, it, it, We're interested in what the world can't see. It, it makes us feel special that only we can see you brushing your teeth. You and know? probably a little less alone about whatever they're like Mm. when they're in their private time, you know, connecting with other people that are real. It's like, we're all the same and we're all different, but we're all the same. Yeah. I I remember I saw, remember that on Instagram when everyone was taking pictures of their food, (gasps) still kind of are. (laughs) Um, I remember, you know, everyone used to kind of laugh at that. (laughs) Used to? (laughs) Guilty. Everyone kind of used to laugh at that. And I remember scrolling down to a comment and seeing this guy say, why the heck? do you think people are interested in what you're eating? Why do you do take pictures of your food? And the poster replied and said, well, I feel like if I take a picture of what I'm eating, it doesn't feel like I'm eating alone. And that's really what it mm. feels like. Um, it doesn't yeah. feel like you're in this alone. Especially after Ooh. this year. I think it's almost time for rapid fire, Sarah, but do you have any other bigger questions before we go to that? No, I'm ready for rapid fire. <laughs> What other creative has influenced you the most? Baron, I'm going to throw to you on this one. Coen Brothers would have to be from the very beginning to now. And Katrina? Oh, man. I really was, honestly, Gary Vee, I think just coming from the speaking lens, it's just been such a kick up the butt to get out there and put your stuff out there and not focus so much on quality and just on getting your message out. What is your favorite color? Red. Green. Those are opposing. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And together we love Christmas. Moving on. (laughs) What is your favorite scent? Oh, okay. This is a men's perfume, Issey Miyake. Yeah, it's the one I wear. Uh, Jasmine. Surprise, surprise. Who got that for you? (laughs) What's your favorite sound? Oh, the sound of a book closing. Mm. I like... um, when you're typing on a keyboard and you're really on a roll, just the clicks. What's your favorite texture to touch? Oh, I was going to say really nice linen sheets. Love that. Or pasta dough. Um, probably like hmm. pudding. <laughs> I just, yeah. Both those answers are new ones to us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, where is the most inspiring location you've traveled to? I think... This place called Lake Barandong. 
<laughs> which is in the middle of arid Australia, kangaroos as far as the eye can see. And it was a spot where there's absolutely just no birds, no nothing. It's just dead quiet and you can really be alone with your thoughts. Uh, it's Felmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico. In one of them, I think it was Baldy Mountain, the highest peak on the ranch. The stars felt like you were in space. What is the last new thing you've learned? It's okay for the entire world to feel vulnerable and lost for a long period of time. Because when we all really want to, we can absolutely make get stuff done. Mm. And see light at the end of the tunnel. There's a much deeper value in these silly, trivial movies than you think. Uh, Last question. We always close out the episodes with these questions. Uh, If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Stop having 10-year plans and take opportunities as they come and just go with it. Hurry up. (laughs) Love it. Thank you guys both so much for being on the Creative Guts podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us. I had a great time. Yeah, this is so much fun. It's first thing in the morning for me, so what a great way to start the day. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching you, Baron, for probably eight or nine months at this point, and so it is very surreal. You know, you're sort of, you know, famous and talking to you. It's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. So I'm uh, really happy that I mentioned you on one of our creative catalogs and then Trina reached out and it just sort of happened. So it's been just such a pleasure. And also hearing your story of how you met and everything. I just, you need to make that a movie, please. I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you again so much. And with that, show show us your your creative creative guts. Another huge thank you to Katrina and Baron for spending their morning slash evening talking with us. Wow. Laura and I don't do virtual interviews often, and we've never interviewed two guests, but this one was so fun, and I'm so thrilled that we had the opportunity to talk with both of them. I'll admit, I've seen Baron on my screen so many times, it was weird seeing him on my screen, but this time live. Yes, I will agree. It was a little surreal to chat with him after watching his creative content for so long, but it was wonderful. I loved talking with these two listening to their creative journey, how Baron processes life and turns it into serious and comedic musings. And Katrina's energy is magnetic. And I'm still digesting the advice her father gave about public speaking. I might try to harness that ideology next time I'm wrangled into speaking in front of a crowd. That was some really good advice. And together, Baron and Katrina, what an unstoppable team. I can't wait to see what comes next for both of them. So check out Baron under the name at American Baron on TikTok and Instagram. And Katrina can be found under Katrina underscore talks on TikTok and Instagram as well. As always, you can find those links and more in the episode description. Find out more about Creative Guts online at creativegutspodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram where our handle is at Creative Guts Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creative Guts. Guts. I I had a lot of fun. This was so cool. Um, yeah, I this is I, I love this format too. Just just kind of a casual chat. Yep. That's how to do there it. There we go. The Batrina mm. podcast. He hates that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the butt. I'm the Trina.
<laughs> it's great. Because I gotta be butt in that in the in that name, butt Trina. Yeah, but it's it's oh, better man. than the alternative, which would be Karen. Oh, right? oh. oh my oh. god, how did you do that? I've never seen that before. That took me a while. I was like, Karen, Karen. Oh my god, we're literally Karen, and you always have Karen in all your skits. Wow. I don't know. Let's try it once, just because it's funny. All right, it'll be a lovely train wreck. So I'm gonna do a countdown. I'll do three, two, one, and then, you know, we'll say, show us your creative guts. So thank you again so much. And with that, three, two, one. Show Show us us your your creative creative guts. 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 That was a disaster. (laughs) It wasn't the worst one. (laughs) I like, I started talking in slow motion to sync up with everyone else. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Let's just take turns just so we have a good, clean edit of it. So, Baron, you go first. Hey, no bloopers. <laughs> Another huge thank you to Katrina and Baron. When you when you said bloopers, the Zoom went on my end. So bloopers was sounded funny. And I was like, that's ironic. But then you started talking. And uh, sorry. <laughs> God, Zoom is so, I mean, it's so, you know, God bless it, but it's such a pain in the butt. It's great. Man, in like 20 years, we'll be like, kids, Zoom used to glitch out sometimes. And they'll be like, what? We're in a holodeck and there's a hologram. We're seeing each other and it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It was just very inspiring. And Christina, wow, I all of a sudden can't say her name. Katrina. Laura. I'm sorry, Katrina. <laughs> Can't say it. And Katrina, she's, what is wrong with me? I'm, leave it up to me to have all the f- bloopers. Good job. Am I going to be? <laughs> oh, Sarah, can you just make a mess up? Come on. I don't want to be alone. Um, blurg, blurg, blurg. Oh, gosh. <laughs>